Welcome to Talk Plus Water, the podcast that takes a deep dive in the world of water with those making waves. My name is Todd Bottler, and I'm your host for Talk Plus Water. I'm also the editor-in-chief of Texas Plus Water and the Texas Water Journal. You can sign up for Texas Plus Water by visiting texasplusWater.org, and you can sign up for the Texas Water Journal at texaswaterjournal.org. Both publications are free. My guests today are Scott Bryan, president of Imagine H2O, and Dr. Greg Newbloom, the founder and CEO of Membrion. Scott, Greg, welcome. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks. Excited. So a little bit about Scott. Scott is responsible for leading Imagine H2O in its mission. Since 2010, Imagine H2O has supported over 150 startups and has expanded its programming internationally. Scott serves on the National Alliance for Water Innovations Innovation and Commercialization Council and is an advisor to the Environmental Policy Innovation Center. Dr. Greg Newbloom is the founder and CEO of Membrion, a clean tech startup focused on recycling wastewater from harsh industrial processes. Membrion makes ceramic desalination membranes out of the same material as the silica gel desiccant packets found in the bottom of beef jerky packages. I have a lot of beef jerky packages scattered around. <laughs> I'll, so take I'm gonna have to, I'll take them. Yeah, I'll take them. Yeah, I'm going to put them in an envelope and send them to you. So thank you guys for being uh, part of Talkless Water. And let's kind of start out with your, you know, your backgrounds of water. Scott, how did you first become involved with water? Sure. Probably goes to an early age. I, I had the fortune of growing up in Montana. Uh, my family was very involved in the conservation movement uh, and the beginnings of the uh, travel economy uh, in Montana, as well as uh, family members in agriculture. So for me, water, you know, it, it's hard to not think about water when you're growing up in that. Uh, in college, I studied at uh, Colorado College uh, and was really fascinated with you know, markets and sustainability. Um, actually studied water rights trading uh, in the San Luis Valley, um, which I think piqued my interest in, you know, how do you solve water challenges with with market-based thinking and, and solutions? Um, I then went into finance, uh, worked a lot on you know, clean tech investment strategies, but I was always surprised uh, what was happening in sectors you know, like renewables or electronic vehicles. Uh, I was surprised to see all the innovation that was going in, you know, ecosystems going into to spaces like that, but that was not being done in water. So that that piqued my interest uh, and brought me to Imagine H2O and this idea of how do we kind of leverage the innovation economy to solve our most pressing water challenges. Well, I am in Whitefish, Montana today, so big thumbs up for, for you shouting out for, you know, Montana, uh, <laughs> for sure. And I'm sitting here looking at a, at a gorgeous lake. <laughs> So, Greg, uh, you know, same question for you. What uh, what first got you interested in water? Yeah, you know, I, I kind of uh, am a, a recent transplant to the water industry, if uh, if you will. So, you know, obviously, water is a, a big part of, of all of our lives. But you know, as we were we created this this new material, and we're looking for kind of where where's a good home, where where's some something that really needs 
um, needs the the innovation that we created and, and came across, um, you know, connecting with people who who were adjacent to the water space and really helping us um, understand that uh, you know we're in in the water industry. There's a very kind of um, complex dynamic that's happening, especially around you know climate driven water scarcity and things like that, and and the opportunities that are that are emerging and, and innovation really not pacing with demand and um, and that kind of dovetailed with the with what our, our material can accomplish is something that that really drew drew me into the space. Um, and since then, it's been um, it's just been a, a phenomenal experience. I think that, uh, you know, having uh, being fairly new to the water industry, um, it's just such an incredible community of people, um, you know, very welcoming and supportive and, and embracive of, of innovative new technologies. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's been great so far. Well, there's always room for more. You know, people have got great ideas for water. So um, we, I look forward to talk to you a little bit more about your technology in a minute. Uh, so Scott, back to you. So tell us uh, what is Imagine HTO? Because I'm sure that there are um, some folks listening who are, are not uh, familiar with uh, you know, technology accelerators. Sure, sure. Yeah, we're a water innovation organization that envisions and builds solutions with the world's best water entrepreneurs, folks like Greg. Uh, an accelerator program is is really at the core of this. Um, we actually have three programs. We have an accelerator that we've run since 2009. Um, in 2018, we added something called the Urban Water Challenge, which uh, provides awards up to, upwards of $100,000 to do pilots in major cities. Um, and we also launched Imagine H2O Asia, which is really our regional hub in that part of the world where we're supporting local entrepreneurs, as well as creating a bridge for entrepreneurs from outside the region who want to deploy there. So um, that's in a nutshell who we are. We're a nonprofit organization. We don't take equity in our companies. That allows us to really be a, a neutral convener in this space. Uh, we're backed by private philanthropies. Uh, corporations in the water sector uh, and work with the likes of the World Bank and Asia Development Bank as well. So uh, what was the motivation originally to create Imagine H2O? Yeah, I think back to what I was saying, um, you know, 2008, 2009, you know, there was a lot of excitement in, in you know, the clean energy space and clean tech uh, economy. Um, but it was surprising to see how little innovation was happening in, in, the, in the water sector. We were in Silicon Valley, um, and you looked around at other, um, you know, you looked at uh, social media or, or software, you knew which cafe to go into where you would find the first member of your team. You knew the restaurant where you'd run into an investor. You knew which conferences to go to. In water, that was very difficult to navigate. So we wanted to kind of create that virtual coffee shop, if you will, where a founder like Greg, could walk in and access you know, the customers, uh, investors, and resources they need to, to build uh, a business faster. When you're an entrepreneur, it's a, it's a race against time. Um, so a resource like us can help accelerate that pace. And, and our kind of theory of change is that you know, the more successful businesses you have in this space, the more solutions there are that are supported by the market. Well, I've, I've seen your, your list of uh, sponsors, and you got a, a great group of sponsors for sure. Um, so I'm, I'm part of a an accelerator in Austin, but it doesn't focus on water in any way. And I've, you mm -hmm. know, so that's, that's intrigued me about what you're doing because, uh, you know, uh, 
for someone like me, it's it's kind of a random thing whether there's a you know a startup that comes in that has some water technology uh, yeah. because you know just about any kind of technology startup comes in um, off and on, and so you know the the uh, the focus on water is is something that I. Uh, I really thought was was interesting. I and mean, is there? Are, do you see, uh, you know, accelerators for just that just focus on like energy too, or any, or is it just you kind of first kind of one of the few to do it this way? Yeah, what we were starting, we yes, we knew we were going to be one of the early you know, organizations that had a single focus on a single space. That's more common now. And yes, there's an accelerator for any Just sector from fintech to energy. Um, but even in the clean energy space or in clean tech space, um, there are some great organizations that were starting around the same time that that focused on EVs, solar, wind, storage, uh, and the like, and and sometimes included water. Um, we really saw the water sector as being a, almost a more difficult space. Um, you know, it's still as less than 1% of all in climate tech venture investing. So entrepreneurs need an extra lift here. Uh, and that's why we focused on one sector. Um, our our you know, advisors, judges, everyone comes from this space. Uh, and I think that's a refreshing uh, opportunity for entrepreneurs that come in the door for us as they see, oh, wow, it's a, this is a who's who's list uh, in, the, in the sector. And I can really you know, get some insight uh, and access quickly. So I've noticed that you said that you don't take an equity stake. And I know that some accelerators do that. And yep. so I'm wondering, does that, does that affect uh Either way, you're like any kind of an ongoing relationship. In other words, do, do the companies that you help, do you continue to hear from them? Do you do to maybe interact with them over time? Is there maturing? Yeah, once once they're in the family, they're here to stay. Uh, okay. We actually uh, just hired a new alumni manager who that will be her her sole purpose yeah, is, is to you know, work with those entrepreneurs. Um, now with three programs, I mean, we have. We have some entrepreneurs that have gone through all three, uh, and that's been yeah. neat to see. So there's really a continuum of offerings here. Uh, and then once they're in our alumni network, it's amazing how many po- people want to give back their their time or uh, expertise or even in funding, uh, again, being a nonprofit. Um, so we just, uh, uh, a guy named Rob Barnett from uh, Drop Counter, uh, recently his company was acquired and he's become our first uh, entrepreneur in residence. Uh, we have a number of our judges and advisors all come from that alumni network. So this is really, yeah, it's an accelerator, but more than that, it's it's an ecosystem. Uh, that's really what we've set out to build and, and continue to engage that community. So what would uh, what would the process be for a startup that's you know gone through the application process and has been selected? What would you know? What are the kind of steps that they go through? Yeah, so our accelerator programming done both through our accelerator and uh, Imagine Show Asia, it's it's a roughly a 10-month program. Uh, there is a curriculum throughout that, that 10 month. We, we really you know, focus on visibility toward the end. So you know, we take uh, each cohort to shows like WefTech. Uh, we're at Singapore International Water Week. We go to Stockholm. So there's a visibility component. But before all that, it's it's really about you know, mentorship, uh, capacity building. We help them with their pitches. Um, we assign uh, mentors that can help with you know, 
business plan and finances, as well as tech, technical experts, if that's what they want. Uh, and then it's a exposure or introductions to a network of investors and customers in the space. Well, just a note, Greg is, is nodding his head yes with a lot of those. So, And we're going we're gonna to come back to you in a minute, Greg. Um, but before we do, um, Scott, can you tell us about uh, you know some of the, your, your other success stories before we talk to Greg? Yeah, you know, I, I think the success story here is the full and a portfolio, if you will, of alumni. Uh, collectively, they've raised over $850 million in, in financing in the water sector. Uh, and about 40% of that has been done since 2019. So this is really a place where you know, if companies that are looking for external funding um, do come to, and, and likewise, investors are certainly looking at who's coming through the program. Uh, we've had some notable exits to the likes of Xylem, DuPont, and Innovise. Um, but I think we're also really, in, you know, as an impact organization, we're really looking at that collective impact. Uh, this year in our alumni survey, we, we realized that uh, our alumni have collectively brought their solutions to over a billion people. So there's really kind of a human component to this as, as well. So that's you know, largely the success story, but I think we've, we've certainly, um, I think done well in the digital transformation space with uh, alumni like you know, Water Smart Software and Valor Water Analytics um, and others. Um, we do a lot in the wastewater space as well. So it's an exciting group, but very, um, you know, very diversified. Uh, and again, that comes from really looking for the best solutions and entrepreneurs out there. So before we go to Greg, I'm just curious, you know, everybody having gone through the pandemic, um, were you able to, to continue to work with uh, the the folks in the accelerator? I guess, you know, everybody was doing everything uh, remotely, but were you still able to, to work with them? And did you have a lot of folks uh, who were working on technologies during that time? Yeah, we, we were fortunate from the get-go. We knew we weren't going to have a brick-and-mortar business model. Um, we knew that bringing, you know, forcing entrepreneurs to come spend six months in San Francisco, uh, that works in other sectors, but not in water. You really need your entrepreneurs out in the markets where they are, not hiding out in Palo Alto or Cambridge. So that's that's always been the model. So we were able to really double down on you know, that virtual capability throughout the pandemic. Uh, you know, obviously, it was a challenge for, for everyone, uh, but I think the pandemic certainly underscored the connection between our work and water um, and public health, infrastructure, climate, um, and all these other issues. I think all of a sudden, it's like, okay, wa water really is having a moment, I think, for that, that reason. Uh, and then other parts of our um, you know, programs. It was amazing how many countries in Southeast Asia, you know, that did stay open, that did have relatively low rates. Uh, and it was, you know, really refreshing for us to come in and see what our colleagues in Southeast Asia were doing in Vietnam, for example, um, during the, the pandemic. So, uh, yeah, it's, we learned a lot, certainly, but uh, I think by and large, we were able to continue to scale and have an impact. So, Greg, Let's talk about Membrion and your technology. How did you, or tell us about your technology and, uh, you know, how did you develop it? Yeah, we were, uh, we were originally, you know, kind of 
on the theme of, of a transplant to, to water, we were originally trying to develop a membrane that could be used in, in batteries um, and trying to develop something that could withstand these like really harsh environments that exist within, within batteries while still being able to, to kind of move, um, move these molecules across them um, and stumbled across this, this idea of, of being able to use silica gel, which as you mentioned um, was the, is that desiccant in the bottom of a beef jerky package. And turns out that has really tiny holes in it um and we thought basically well you know why if you could make this into a sheet why couldn't you use it as a as a filter um and it turns out that 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 leads to some really valuable properties and that's really been the the impetus of of the company spun from just this idea of well what if we just repurpose something that you know we all take for granted and and throw away every day which you know maybe has some themes to to water as well um but but really being able to um so yeah, find find a good home for it, and and uh, and yeah, water ended up being the the space to do that. So so formed Membryon, we're you know a six year old spin out from the University of Washington, twenty three full time people, um, and just starting to see first commercial deployments of the technology this year, which is really exciting. Ah, so a little bit about that. Um, I think you know your your technology handles difficult water. Uh, quality issues, right? I mean, among other things, like produce water, because produce water's got, what, three to six times the amount of dissolved solids that you find in the ocean. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we'll, we'll take kind of the, the nastiest of, of the nasty, like to say, like, you know, the types of water that, uh, you know, if you were to put your hand in, it would, would burn your hand um, because oh, of the, the chemicals that are in there, um, things that are, you know, waters that are nearly boiling, things that would, you know, leave a sticky film behind when it comes across it. Those, those are the types of streams that, that work really well, just because these ceramic materials are really robust and resistant and durable. And so, yeah, we can use, we can treat a lot of waste streams um, that, you you know, a lot of our customers now are, are currently trucking their water offsite or they're boiling it or, you know, they're using these really antiquated, expensive, definitely not sustainable um, methods of, of dealing with their wastewater. And, and we're really helping them to be able to, you know, uh, reuse that water, recycle it um, and do it at a, at a much more, a much more cost effective way in addition to the sustainability benefits that they see. So they can use your um, membranes to clean up the waste stream and repurpose that water. I guess his industrial facility for cooling or something, it'd be fine for, for something like that. Um, Exactly. Okay. Yeah, we yeah we take it to a lot of different um, reuse applications. Can be reused cooling towers. Um, can get blended into process water streams in front of an RO. Um, you know, basically what we do is we're able to remove the salt, and that's what's really different. There's a lot of ceramic membranes that have been around for a long time. They're fantastic, but they just remove larger base contaminants. And so, really, the, what's unique about us is those teeny tiny pores. Um, that are, you know, literally one ten thousandth the thickness of a human hair um, that will allow us to filter out these salts. Um, so much more similar to a reverse osmosis type technology. Um, and so we're able to, to do that under these extreme environments. So it sounds like one application might be produced water from hydraulic fracturing. I know that, you know, I'm from Texas and there's a lot of that that goes out in the Permian in West Texas and not so much you know, not a great amount of fresh water available. And, uh, you know, folks worried now about, uh, you know, disposal of that produced water producing earthquakes, like, yep. you know, having in Oklahoma. And so I, I can imagine, you know, someone might be interested in uh, cleaning up that water and just reusing it for the same purpose again and again. 
exactly. Yeah, because often, often you know, disposal and um, and scarcity go go hand in hand, right? It it gets complicated right. to to be able, like, you don't have an access to enough water, and then you have to go to great lengths to deal with the nasty wastewater that you generate. And and you're absolutely right, it exists in in produced water, um, but it's surprisingly common. You know, the wastewaters are that are generated at food and beverage facilities, semiconductor facilities, you know, any any real manufacturing facility, almost all of them generate some of these really complex extreme wastewaters uh, we say you know they're they're extreme in in their harshness um, but they're also extremely common um, and so it's something that that's a good problem to be able to, to solve so uh, I know you're an engineer you know my background is actually as a scientist and uh, you know I know that we're often not trained to do other things and uh, business might be one of those and so I've just I'm curious, you know, when you were thinking, hey, I would like to bring this technology to the marketplace. Um, I mean, did you have much of a business background or or did that present to you kind of a, um, wow, you know, that's I, I wish I knew more about business and you know, maybe I can find somebody who can help me with that. Yeah, it's a, a little bit of both. Um, you know, I, I actually I started my first company when I was ten years old. Uh, I sold sold snacks at my brother's baseball games. Um, made made a good amount of money for for a little kid, and did that for for quite a few years. And so, you know, I've always been interested in you know meeting meeting a market need and finding that. Um, but but also, you know, love math, love science, love the kind of creative, inventive process around that. And so, you know, did my degree in in engineering, but but always have had kind of this this inkling to, to be able to combine that with the business side of things. That said, I have no formal training. So it's not something that comes, comes not like I, there's a little bit that comes naturally, but no experience. Um, let's put it that way. So I think a big part of my entrepreneurial journey has been linking up with people that are more experienced than me, especially on the business side, on the, you know, how to, how to create and grow uh, businesses, how to manage businesses effectively at different stages. And then, you know, the, the water industry in particular is very unique and complex complex, um, which as, as an engineer, I love the, the complexity of it. Um, but running a business in it, I think that requires a lot of, of unique strategies. And that's really kind of where, you know, a program like Imagine H2O comes in and helps connect a, a lot of those dots. Well, I compliment you. I started my, my lawn empire, mowing lawns at 11. Sure. Um, yeah. And I wasn't very good at it, but everybody loved my parents on the block. And so they just kind of like <laughs> had me doing it, even though I really sure. kind of butchered some of their lawns. It was really nice. Uh, so, so tell me, Greg, uh, how Imagine H2O is, you know, help you um, in your efforts to bring Nimbryon's uh, technology to the marketplace. What, how have you benefited from being part of uh, that program? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the benefits are 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 probably too too great to even you know list off. We could take we could take the next hour to talk through all the different things that that we benefited from. But I mean, I think that probably like you know. First and foremost, I think there's just you know the knowledge of what it takes to build a business in in the water sector is is non obvious if you're outside of it. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that that go into um, you know getting getting pilots run, sales cycles, how to how to accelerate that because as as Scott mentioned, right, time is the currency of the day um, for us as entrepreneurs, and so how do you navigate all this complexity uh, with finesse um, and be able to do that really efficiently? 
efficiently. Um, I think there's a lot that we adapted in going through the program related to to our business model, the markets we focused on, how we looked at that, how we structured our pricing. Um, there's the you know the 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 shift from you know how to build effective partnerships in the space. And all of those things really came out of, you know, the network that they've built. You know, Scott talked about just this, this massive network of individuals. And I think that, you know, from a, from a value standpoint, um, like really took, took advantage of being able to connect with those folks, people who, you know, were, were so, intimately knowledgeable about the things we were trying to do that, that it was really second nature. You know, we could describe a problem and it takes 15 seconds to get them up to speed. They've seen that they know how, you know, and they can give very tailored advice. And I think that that's really allowed us to, to move very quickly um, in the process. And I think, you know, we've, you know, as we've continued to grow and expand, um, you know, over the kind of last year of, even being kind of as an alumni of, of the network um, still has played a, a major role in helping to connect us. You know, we, we needed to recruit a, a board member, for example, and Imagine H2O is the one who connected us with uh, Sivan Zamir, um, who's one of the VP at, at Xylem, um, who's now sits on our board and helps to guide the strategy of the company and, you know, connecting with us with former executives from, from the water industry who now make up our market advisory board. And so it's just been phenomenal from a, from a resource standpoint. And then as we, you know, as the company continue to grow and fundraise, even making connections to investors and, you know, and giving us, you know, insights on, you know, these are the funds you really should be thinking about who would be a good fit for the technology. So, you know, from my perspective, it's really just a, a program that, you know, I, there's, there's a lot of accelerators. Um, not a lot. Not all accelerators actually help you accelerate. Um, this is definitely, you know, the case here is, you know, we came out flying off the back end of this um, way, way faster than we entered uh, the program. And so, um, yeah, can't speak highly enough about it. Well, that's I guess that's the definition of accelerating, right? Right. I exactly. Mean, yeah. Uh, so, so I'm curious. So when you were going through it, I imagine there were like some some phases that you you would learn about something you'd say ah you didn't even think about that that we had to prepare for this in some way or do, could you i mean any of those i see you nodding your head any of those come to mind yeah i mean there's a lot of things you know for us in particular with deploying a, a membrane there's a lot that comes up with um you know how like pricing and warranties are a big deal. You know, how long is your membrane going to last and how frequently are you replacing it? And how do you capture value beyond just an initial sale um, to be able to, to decrease some of the lumpiness of the revenue that comes from project basis, which is just really hard to, to manage and sustain as a startup company, um, having those sorts of things. So that really impacted kind of our, our strategy as we thought about how we're going to market, how we're working with people. Um, and then the, all of those conversations came out out of some of the trainings that they were hosting on the front end of kind of connecting thought leaders in the water industry um, and giving, giving, you know, those of us in the cohort, the benefit of the doubt of, of hearing from them. So, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different things where, um, where, yeah, just getting access to a piece of information that allows us to connect the dots that are relevant for us. Um, yeah. I think that's where a lot of the value came from. So back to you, Scott, that must feel very, you know, rewarding to hear, you know, your, your alums, you know, saying such great things about your program. Yeah. Yeah. I've not, I've not heard anyone say we were flying. So I, I like that. That's, that's a new one. <laughs> 
But uh, yeah, I think it also says a lot about Greg too. I mean, it's uh, yeah, he's got the technical background, but he really is open to feedback and working with people that we put him in front of. Um, you know, not you know, a lot of this has to do with talent, getting the right people to the team, and a lot of times the university spin out. You get to a point where you're saying, okay. Should I be CEO of this company? Do I have what it takes? Um, and naturally, there are, you know, a company will bring in a CEO. And I, I think Greg has done an amazing job um, balancing his technical background and being open to learning about the business side and, and surrounding himself by people that really know the space and, the, and, the, um, and how you build a business in the sector. So it's been a lot of fun to, to, to be involved in. So the next uh, generation of Membryons, I guess, are uh, maybe uh, in the process of applying uh, mm -hmm. to Imagine H2O. Can you tell us about that? I, I think you just recently opened up a new period for applications and, and talk about how that process, application process goes and what someone would expect or should, should expect. Yeah, uh, we're just of closing or just are closing the uh, uh, application process to Imagine Show Asia uh, and then next opening one process for both our accelerator and next wave, the urban water challenge. Uh, yeah, we're, we're really looking for kind of commercial viability. So, you know, the team, the business model, um, you know, ultimately you're looking for entrepreneurs, uh, that can stand the test of time. Um, this can be a 10 to 15 year journey uh, for an entrepreneur. So you've got to really get that foundation right. So that's often what we're looking for. Um, we're also really focused on four you know, thematic and you know, impact priorities, one in climate, another in efficiency, access, uh, and the fourth being public health. So if we can and find startups that hit any one of those impact priorities, that's also uh, a goal of ours with, with the intake process. Uh, the judges and evaluators, they are all industry experts, so it's an independent process. Um, everyone who applies to the accelerator actually gets written feedback uh, on their business idea. So it's a great resource for people who, who end up applying. So within the four impact priorities that you just listed, um, does Imagine H2O like have any, you know, I guess, um, you know, interest in like uh, trying to encourage certain types of technologies to apply or, or do, do you ever get people contact you and say, Scott, you know, we sure do need innovation in this area. Um, it'd be Right, if you could be on the lookout for companies that want to get started who, that do X, anything yeah. like that. Cer certainly, with a number of our corporate partners, that's you know, we understand what they're looking for, um, and are you know, when with these intakes, we see a lot. We see applicants from all over the world, so the insight that we can you kind know, of gain is is certainly important. Um, but we're also cautious. We're not going to say, let's this next year, we're going to just take six membrane companies. Um, the universe of, of good startups in the space is only so big. Um, so we really are open ourselves to, to, you know, each year the cohort is going to be different. That's kind of the magic of it all. Um, but it's also a reality. We, we can't you know, always just be looking for a very specific technology. And again, Oftentimes, it's the business model and people. So that's what we're looking for first. So um, let's uh, 
kind of move to the final questions here. I've got to have one for each one of you. Uh, and Greg, you get to go first this time. Uh, how can our listeners find out more about Membrion? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the easiest way is, um, you know, visiting us at, at our websites, membrion.com. Um, it's an easy place to kind of see, learn more about the technology, the process we, we apply, the type of people we work with. And I'm always open to, to connecting there. You know, we attend a lot of the major water events. We'll be at WEFTEC um, in, in October. And so it's a great place to be able to, to connect with us um, as well. So, yeah, we'd love to always love to hear people hear about the crazy wastewaters and see if uh, it's something that we can we can do to help. And you're located in Seattle, right? Yeah, we are. We're based out of Seattle, Washington. Okay. And, you know, Scott, um, you know, same question for you. How can our listeners find out more about Imagine H2O? Yeah, if you're a startup, I'd encourage you to go to imaginehcho.org forward slash apply uh, and register your idea with us uh, and and look and find which program is going to be most appropriate for you. Uh, Certainly our website uh, has a blog and a lot of insight there. I'd also encourage people to follow us on LinkedIn because I think that's the best place where you can see in real time um, updates that we we share, but also our uh, alumni share uh, with the broader community. So you mentioned, you know, you've got your accepting applications now. Do you have a, like a any deadline here in the near future that people would want to know about? Um, I would dive in now, <laughs> but the <laughs> next intake will is is happening uh, this month. So um, the earlier the better. Um, but yeah, by September we should be closed up. Yeah. Well, great, uh, Scott, Greg, thank you for joining us today. Great. Thanks for having yeah. us. Thanks, Todd. Appreciate it. I've enjoyed it. Um, and I've learned a lot, too. Good. So this has been Talkless Water. My podcast today, uh, my podcast guest today, I should say. I knew I was going to mess up. I always mess up at some point in podcasts, and I just did it. Um, my guests today were Scott Bryan, president of Imagine H2O, and Dr. Greg Newbloom, the founder and CEO of Membryon. I want to thank our listeners for tuning in and to say, if you enjoyed this episode of Talkless Water, please let us know by giving it a like. My name is Todd Butler. Let's talk water again soon.